Stuff Podcasts. Hello there, you know what this is. It's content warning time. This episode contains frank conversations about sex and there's some swearing. We also discuss sexual assault, but not in graphic detail. Some names have been changed, but the stories are real. This podcast was made with the support of New Zealand On Air. Welcome all to the Sex Positivity Palace, a brand new institution to educate and celebrate the modern, sexually empowered population. Are you ready for your tour? Well, come on in, don't be shy. Yes, in you come. Come, come. Now, to your right, you'll see our motto, our mantra, if you will. All sex is good sex, provided everyone involved is digging it. You probably recognise general themes from the original sexual revolution, but as you'll see, we've updated it quite a bit. Now, just down the hall here is our queer liberation room, where you can undo all of that nasty internalised homophobia, and biphobia, and transphobia. Just about any phobia, really. (laughs) In the workshop here, you'll see we're busy dismantling ideas that no longer serve us. Jermaine, what is it that you're working on there? Virginity. Oh, good luck with that one. Lucy is, I believe, working on penis and vagina as the only valid type of sex. Oh, you can see the wonderful work she's doing with all the different body parts there. Mmm, amazing. Yes. Now, over here is the lecture hall. If you just keep your voices down, I can pop the door open and we'll see what's going on in there now. Oh, it's a packed house. uh, All of the traditional cultures that were non-binary and imperial Christian forces came in and eradicated their non-binary identities. And this is the Hall of Hotness where we showcase selfies and other works of art representing sexuality and desire in all known human forms. Any questions? Comments? Uh, yep. Don't be shy. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm Melody Thomas. I'm from the Good Sex Project podcast. Sounds right up our alley. Cool. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) What's your question? So, I mean, obviously this all looks amazing and I love what you've done with the place, but... If we've reached the age of sex positivity and a new sexual enlightenment, then shouldn't the sex we're having be, I don't know, good? Good, 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 good. Welcome back to The Good Sex Project. I'm Melody Thomas, and this is episode three, Are You Empowered? In this episode, we're going to explore the messy, complicated, and sometimes really confusing subject of sexual empowerment. If you've ever looked at a celebrity thirst trap and gotten all tied up in knots thinking, is this empowerment? She looks objectified to me, but she's doing the objectification, so it's okay, right? Or if you're having sex that just isn't working out how you want it to and you don't know how to change that, this episode's for you. I was like, no, 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 this is empowering and this was making me feel good. As a young man, I've got to do it. I've got to, I've got to sleep with this person. He's not straight. He couldn't have done it. He couldn't have sucked that one dick and be straight. 
You probably have your own ideas about what sexual empowerment means, but let's do a broad definition so that we're roundabout on the same page. Sexual empowerment is generally about taking ownership of your sexuality, making your own choices, respecting your needs and desires, and reclaiming your sexual power and agency, which is especially important if you belong to a group that's traditionally been denied those things. That's why we talk so much about female sexual empowerment, because for so long it just wasn't a thing. So I was having this like sexual empowerment, sexually liberated movement this is Patti. Okay, sorry. I'll start back here. Hello, my name is Patti, Patti AF, um, and I am a musician hailing from South Okilani. Maybe you've heard of Patti. She released a few songs under the name Disciple Patti before changing her name to Patti AF, because in her words at the time, she's not a holy girl anymore. But she was raised holy, like a lot of Samoan kids are. I grew up in the church. That's how I cut my teeth on performing. Samoan communities are still definitely heavily intertwined with Christianity. Mm. Our culture around sex runs deep with with that kind of narrative that Christianity's pushed. You know the stuff. No sex before marriage and women and girls need to dress modestly to avoid tempting boys and men. That kind of thing. Like, this is what girls do and to be successful this is what you need to be and if you do that that meaning sex it's gonna harm your reputation or it's gonna make people not take you seriously so it's just better off if you just wait until you find the right person to do it with and then you don't have to worry about it affecting the rest of your life And by right person, she means... Yeah, always going to be a dude, always going to be a future husband, and always going to be somebody like in the church or around the church or at another church that you met somewhere. Patti's family were actually pretty relaxed about sex, or parts of it, at least. Like, they gave her the talk, but only when they needed to. I accidentally walked in on them (laughs) doing the deed. I didn't know that's what they were doing. Because I was just bloody 10. So that happened. And then, like, literally a week after it was like, hey, so we need to have a talk about, like, what <laughs> what sex is. And, like, it was mainly anatomy, too, because my mum comes from a healthcare background. It wasn't about, like, emotional or, like, you do it with somebody that you trust. It was just like, this is what happens and this is what the consequences are. And um, do with that what you will. <laughs> Patty's parents never said she couldn't go out with anyone. But... My parents did everything they could to make sure that I wasn't out after school. You have karate at seven and you've got like <laughs> rugby training at five. So I, you, if you can find the time, then sure. But I don't think you will. <laughs> so their strategy was just like, we'll just book her out. Exactly. No time. <laughs> that was exactly the strategy. Was that so. an effective strategy? Um, Yes. It was a very effective strategy because I didn't even end up having sex until I was like close to 20. So... Just no time. Just no time. No bloody time. (laughs) Patti got her first boyfriend when she was 19. But she took some really interesting ideas into that relationship, especially about what it means to be a good girlfriend. You're basically like setting yourself up in order to be in a position where somebody, whoever you were dating, would see you as like wifey material. And that was like a big kind of narrative that was getting pushed a lot around the community that I was in, like, amongst all my friends. 
And, um, and how old are you when you were being like wife 19. material? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> 19, wife material. Wife material meant being kind and smart, but not a smart mouth. Being compliant. A good girl. That was when I first had my first experience with sex. And her first experience with sex was really coloured by what she felt like she had to do. This is what good girlfriends do. And if you don't give it to me, then I'm going to find it somewhere else. Eventually, Patti decided she was done playing the 19-year-old wifey. And it felt good. I felt like my body was not owned by me. It was owned by somebody else. And I was there to fulfil somebody else's desires. I didn't ever want to have to feel like that again. It was for me and it was for myself and I could do things for me and not for somebody else. And what she wanted was sex on her own terms. And it just, like, went from zero, like, good girl to just, like, 100, posting my ass on Instagram, posting my boobs on Instagram. Enter Ho-Phase. Maybe you know all about Ho-Phase. Maybe you're in one right now. But excuse me while I just quickly define it for our less experienced listeners. In Urban Dictionary, ho-phase is defined as a phase in your life when you're fine with exploring promiscuous activities and connecting with random people. I mean, it's right there in the name. And obviously, ho has traditionally been a bit of a gendered term. But guys also talk about having a ho-phase. It's inclusive. And it isn't derogatory. A ho-phase can be a really empowering thing, which is how Putty felt about it though others didn't necessarily see it that way. The minute I stepped out of that, the narrative was like, oh, you're a slut. Keep in mind, Putty had only had one sexual partner at this point. My thinking was like, well, fuck, if I'm going to be a slut, then I'm going to be a slut. And you can, and I'll own it. Yeah, I... (laughs) I'll show you a slut! Yeah, I'll fucking show you! Like, villain era 2020! Yeah. That was exactly it. In case you missed it, she said villain era. That's from TikTok, and it basically means moving away from people-pleasing and doing what you want to do instead. That was my villain origin story. Patti's villain era was a sight to behold. As well as her music, she put her ass and boobs on Instagram. There was one video of her ass cheeks slapping together that got about 100,000 views on Twitter in 24 hours, and she started hooking up with more people. I was having a lot of fun in the beginning, you know, like feeling quite empowered and feeling good about my body and my sexuality. But slowly, so slowly that she didn't even really notice it was happening at first, things started to go wrong. I started getting into a lot of situations where I ended up actually getting a lot of trauma from. And there were a lot of times when I was really, really stuck and... I was like, no, 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 this is, this is empowering. And I was dead set on this being empowering and this was making me feel good. I was dealing with a lot of terrible behavior from a lot of men and women and just feeling really, really objectified. Okay, let's just pause for a second. We will come back to Patti. But I want to try and puzzle out where things are going wrong for her. Putty knows what sexual empowerment is. She's going out into the world feeling really empowered, but somewhere along the way she's losing her power. And there's another concept that I think could help us here, because it's been shaping our understanding of and approach to sexual empowerment for the last few decades. It's called sex positivity. 
Sex positivity as we know it now kicked off back in the 80s with sex-positive feminism. This was a movement about women's rights to pleasure, desire and sexual exploration. Classic sexual empowerment stuff. And remember, the idea that women could enjoy sex and should be allowed to explore that was still pretty new. Sex-positive feminism gathered steam partly as a pushback against another group of feminists, the anti-porn feminists, who saw pornography and sex work as being at the centre of women's oppression. These groups battled it out in the public domain through the early 80s in what has been called the Feminist Sex Wars, which sounds like a movie or a TV show that I would absolutely devour. Coming soon, who will prevail? And who will be lost to the eons of time in feminist Feminist sex? We're skipping through a lot, but in the decades between then and now, women learned to own their desire, or at least more so. Plus, barricades fell for queer folk who just wanted to love and sleep with the people they want to love and sleep with. Taboos around things like masturbation and periods began to shift. And slowly but surely, we did begin to internalise the ideas of sex-positive feminism and of sex positivity, which says that nobody should be judged or shamed for their desires or for their enjoyment of sex, so long as everyone's digging it. That goes for queer folk, trans folk, sex workers, kinky folk, sluts and hoes. It's all good. You have value regardless of who you have sex with and how much you have that sex. It's a beautiful idea in theory but we haven't quite nailed the landing. Sex positivity is about acceptance. It's about recognising sexuality and the countless forms of expressing it as a natural and healthy part of being human. But somewhere along the way, this gentle and inclusive idea got a little bit warped. And instead of accepted, we got expected. Instead of open to everything, we got up for anything. When I ask you to picture a sexually empowered person, you probably think of someone like Patti, looking hot and powerful on her Instagram feed. Someone who knows what they want and isn't afraid to ask for it. But you probably don't think of someone who's asexual, like Chloe from episode one, who decided she never wants to have penetrative sex again. We don't instantly think about vulnerability, boundaries, communication, consent or emotion. Why not? Let's go back to Patti, because this is all the stuff that she was thinking about. And one night, it got her really upset, so she went to her sister for help. Her sister was actually studying a lot of feminist literature at the time. And she was like, are you empowered? And I was like, well, yeah, because it's my body and I'm doing whatever I want with it. And then she was like, mm, okay, let's unpack this because that's not what it's giving right now when you come to my room at 3am and you're crying about. <laughs> Patty's sister told her exactly what she needed to hear in that gentle and loving way that sisters do. My sister was like, you're a dumb bitch. She's like, you've done all this reading and you still don't know. <laughs> She's like, you should have known that there's never going to be any sexual liberation or empowerment until you attack the issue at hand first, which is the patriarchy and what that looks like first. And then I was like, damn. <laughs> damn is right. You mean I got to dismantle the patriarchy to have a happy hoe phase? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's this great article on The Guardian by Van Badham. What a name. 
It's called That's Patriarchy, how female sexual empowerment led to male sexual entitlement. If you've got time to read it, the link's in our show notes. But there's one paragraph that I want to share here because I think she nails it. For context, Van is talking about how sexual empowerment was supposed to deliver women from our roles as passive containers for male sexual desire. But instead, sexual freedom has become another realm of women's experience for patriarchy to conquer. As soon as older feminists had won sexual liberation, she says, patriarchy reframed it as sexual availability for men. And sexual availability for men without any mass-scale education about communication and consent is a recipe for disaster. Heads up. This is where Patti talks about assault. I um, I got, sorry, trigger warning. I got assaulted a couple of times. I said no multiple times. And I said, don't want to do this. Don't want to go there. And she wasn't listened to. But I could see that the person that I was with, they were very, very insecure and just like, I just need to show you that I can pleasure you and I can do this and da 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 And it was kind of just like, you need to back off, you need to back off, you need to back off. Even when Patti wasn't being explicitly assaulted, the threat of its potential was always there. I am actually in a situation now where if something was to go terribly wrong, I actually can't defend myself. And she had no idea how to navigate it. I don't know any of the skills to get myself out of that situation. I don't know how to even open up the conversation with you. I don't even know how to say this is actually too far for me and I need to remove myself from the situation in a way that we can both leave and it's going to be fine. There were so many things that I was lacking because I just thought, like, got to see it through. Sometimes she was enjoying sex, but a lot of the time she was enduring it. No, you don't bloody need to see it through. Why are you seeing it through? <laughs> what is the reason? It was at that point where I was like, oh, something's really wrong with this culture. Something's really, really wrong with the way that I've been performing my sexuality. There needs to be a lot of critical discussion about what a hoe phase means and what hookup culture actually is and the reality of the ups and downs and the lack of emotional safety and sexual safety and boundaries that gets talked about in those spaces. There was no conversation about boundaries. There's no conversation about this is what I like, this is what I don't like, this is what I need for aftercare. If the point of having a hoe phase and the point of having being a part of hookup culture is to experience and try new things and to have fulfilling, rewarding sex, how is that fulfilling and how is that rewarding for anyone? Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. 
Leary and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, tagline there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence. If I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That on. sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Putty just told us that she was assaulted a couple of times at this stage in her life. We're not talking about bad sex. This is assault. But she also said that the people assaulting her did it from a place of insecurity. Please don't get me wrong, in no world is what happened to Patty okay. But she's really clear that she's not talking about rapists prowling the street for victims. She's talking about assault by men who have been taught some really messed up ideas about sex that they're now acting out with their sexual partners. Absolutely. And the tough part for me with the whole thing was that I knew that they had no idea what they were doing. They had no clue, which just made the whole situation even fucking worse. Because it was like, I'm being harmed right now, and I know that you're not intentionally harming me. You never see that person again. They know they did something wrong, because you're not talking to them ever again, you block them off everything. But then they also don't know exactly what it was that went wrong, and so people are just walking around here not knowing they've assaulted somebody. The ideas that these men had internalised from patriarchal culture and that so many of us have internalised were that a real man knows what he's doing, that a no can become a yes if you're persistent enough, that what you see in porn is what your partners want, and that women are objects to be enjoyed for men's sexual pleasure. A lot of the people who I interacted with in the bedroom could not shed all of the stuff that I'd posted on Instagram, and it was very, very much fetishized. Oh, she's got a fat ass, and like, you know, like she's a Polynesian girl, and da 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 da. That was not left online, it was brought into the bedroom. No, it was like perform. This is your stage now, and you're here to perform. These patriarchal ideas and the behaviours that come from them fall under the heading toxic masculinity. Maybe you're sick of hearing about it. And honestly, I think it's probably not the most sensitively worded term. You can see why maybe men get defensive when they hear it. But toxic masculinity doesn't mean the ways in which all men are toxic. It's talking about how certain behaviours that are practised by and often expected of men are harmful. Stuff like dominance, violence, and not showing any emotion. A lot of straight guys don't have really positive 
ways to identify as straight. That to be straight is to not be a woman and to not be a faggot. This is Dan Savage. He's a gay author, journalist, activist and podcaster who's been giving sex advice to Americans for about 30 years. So anything that's feminine or faggy and most things that are feminine are faggy and vice versa, they can't allow themselves to to get near. And we talk about that as if it's just straight men doing that to themselves and each other. And it's not true. You know, a, a straight guy who, say, for instance, likes being pegged or a straight guy who has some feminine interests is not going to be seen as 100% straight by gay guys, by his girlfriend, by women that he knows. By the way, pegging is when someone penetrates somebody else anally with a strap on. Usually we're talking about a woman penetrating a man. I slept with girls when I was a teenager. I tried to be straight. I tell that to people and nobody thinks he can't really be gay if he slept with girls. He can't be gay. Like, I'm not disqualified out of gayness because I said I slept with a girl. A guy can say... He had sex with a couple of guys in college. And 40 years later, 40 years of eating nothing but pussy, a diet of nothing but pussy for 40 years, his wife will send me a letter doubting her husband's heterosexuality. He's not straight. He couldn't have done that. He couldn't have sucked that one dick and be straight. And so, of course, straight guys are paranoid. Straightness is so fragile. This is the other side of the bad casual sex equation, for heterosex anyway. Straight guys aren't allowed any flexibility when it comes to sexuality. And they also need to look like they know exactly what they're doing all the time. There's no room for questions, emotion, vulnerability. Not if they want people to think they're straight. And this can be really stressful. Dan told me about a Canadian study from 2013 that looked at stress and depression levels of gay and bisexual men compared to straight men. Where they measured cortisone levels the stress hormone, and they just assumed that gay men would have much higher levels of cortisone, of the stress hormone, because of homophobia and bigotry and anti-gay violence. And they found the opposite, that straight guys have much higher levels of cortisone. And I jokingly hypothesized that that's because gay guys don't walk around all day worried that somebody's going to think they're not gay. It makes me sad. It makes me sad, too. However, we do live in a world, man, where that's changing. And you see more straight men who are feel less policed and are doing less policing. But less policing of what it means to be a straight man is something that we all have to commit to do. Gay, straight, bi, male, female. We'll hear more from Dan Savage in the next episode of The Good Sex Project. That quote that I read you before from Van Badham about how female sexual empowerment has been twisted to mean sexual availability, so now girls and women are expected to be up for it always. Does that sound at all familiar to you? Because actually, boys and men have had this expectation on them since forever. But it's led me into some horrific like ex- sexual experiences and stuff that I regret because I thought I had to This is Tom. Remember, he took up nude modelling to help get over his body dysmorphia. He's got some great insights to offer for this one. Growing up, it was always how desirable are you is how you'd measure your self-worth, basically. So I'd always take upon that opportunity to feed into the idea that I was desirable or or worthwhile, and therefore that was like a sense of self-worth based on others. Boys who get laid are the man. A boy who turns down a girl who's coming on to him is, what, a loser? Probably gay? 
there's never been any room in our model of straight male sexuality for vulnerability, for wanting an emotional connection when it comes to sex, for not being ready, or just not wanting sex for whatever reason. So I'm like, oh, of course I've got to do that. And then thought, before, during, and after, I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? But I have to do it, right? Like, if I'm sexually desired and this person wants to sleep with me, as a young man, I've got to do it. I've got to, I've got to sleep with this person because why would I turn that opportunity up? It's hard not to think about sex positivity and sexual empowerment as a bit of a missed opportunity. We could have started from scratch. We could have taken a moment to think about what we want and we could have built something that actually serves us all of us, something new and imaginative. But of course, sex positivity isn't being practiced in a vacuum. It's happening in this weird, deeply entrenched, patriarchal, neoliberal, pre-climate apocalypse hellhole. (laughs) So instead of something fresh, we ended up with a copy-paste of that stale old version of male sexuality, which wasn't even working for a lot of men in the first place. You go on Instagram, it's like, sexual empowerment like you're a sexually empowered woman and you're in full control of your body and that's why you can go to anyone's house and do whatever the fuck you want we're back with Patty again I'll be like yeah okay fine I guess so like gearing up for fucking war you know I'm like oh god I'm gonna put my (laughs) my pack on again get my rifle out Jesus I was cosplaying what I thought a man would do in those situations like how I thought a man would perform his own sexuality I'm drunk and I'm horny and like I need to get dig tonight because this is what it means to be a feminist no no (laughs) the world that Patty grew up in was one where boys and men could do what they want but girls had to be good wifey material she grew up knowing that to be a woman is to be objectified disempowered As she said, until she left her first relationship, Patty didn't even feel like her body was her own. During her villain era, Patty protected herself in the only way she knew how, by giving as good as she'd gotten. You don't care about me? Well, I don't care about you. I'm just here for my dick appointment. I immediately assumed, like, men are not here for this, they're not here for that, they're here for this, and that's all that they want, so don't give them anything else. Very much man-eater energy. And then I had to stop and recognize like this whole persona has not only caused me harm now, it's actually causing other people harm. When the penny finally dropped for Patty, after a whole lot of hurt, a bit of time spent crying with her sister and a break from casual sex, she did something really brave. She called up some of the guys that she'd hooked up with, not the guys who'd assaulted her, other guys, and she apologized. I'm just here to say, like, I'm really sorry for, you know, not seeing you as a human being in the same way that I wasn't seen as human being. That wasn't cool. In some cases, you do need to be very, very assertive with men in particular, with your boundaries, especially things like in the club. If somebody's going to come up to you and grab your ass, you do need to tell them to fuck off, and that's the time for that. But... In the bedroom, I think there's this idea that men especially are just these like hard things who can just take punches, do, and they don't need 
any kind of like emotional intimacy or emotional safety and care in those situations particularly. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> they are also human beings. Yes, there will be gaps in their understanding of things because they're not women. But if the point is to bridge the gap, we're not going to bridge the gap by turning it back on them and being like, well, fuck you guys. The only way you can really do that is really with empathy. Here's an even braver thing that Patti did. She actually did reach out to one of the guys who had assaulted her. I actually like ended up just like talking to them, sitting down and just being like, hey, look, I don't think you actually know, but when I said this and then you continued to do this, it actually had a really, really big effect on me. And um, I was really fucked up because of that. And I just need you to know so that it doesn't happen to somebody else. And then obviously that person was like, I'm so fucking sorry, like I had no idea. It feels really important to say that Patti is not advocating for other people to do this. Don't, if it's not safe for you to do that, then obviously you should not do that. And while compassion and empathy can be really powerful... If you don't want to be empathetic, yeah. then you, you don't, don't have to you be. If you need to be angry for a bit yeah. longer, then that's, you're right. <laughs> exactly. You're allowed to do that. But um, I was hating men, very misandrist energy. I live in a world where a lot of girls have been through similar experiences with me. It just became an echo chamber. And because of that echo chamber, I really lacked a lot of empathy for the men in my life. For me, it just got me nowhere. These days, Patti goes about things differently. First up, she's gotten better at communicating. You actually need to talk to people and actually understand where they're at and know what they do know before you even get into a room with them. And that doesn't mean you want to see them in a romantic situation. It just, you're trying to gauge exactly what the hell, who the fuck they are. <laughs> so before you get into a situation, we're actually putting somebody else's genitals in your genitals. <laughs> and when it comes to hooking up or putting somebody else's genitals in your genitals, she has rules. Like, if I enter into any space... It's going to be with somebody who I know, who I trust, at the very least, who I respect, who respects me, who's not just here waiting for me to perform whatever image it was that I posted, and who actually, you know, we, we're there together enthusiastically. It's funny eh, that your rules are like, I have to know and respect and like the person. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, that's bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the bar is low. The bar is low. It's 2023 and Putty is ready to call it. Yeah, this is definitely the end of the villain era. The end of the villain era, or the hoe era, and the beginning of something new. Somebody was like to me, is this your soft girl era? And I was like, can you get the fuck out of my face? No. That was definitely something that I had to unpack and just be like, just because I'm someone doesn't mean I can't be a soft girl sometimes when it fits the narrative, <laughs> when it fits the era. <laughs> At the start of this episode, our tour guide of the Sex Positivity Palace said, 
all sex is good sex, provided everyone involved is digging it. The clue to real sex positivity for everyone is in that last bit, the digging it bit. What we're talking about here, of course, is consent, enthusiastic consent. If you're enduring sex rather than enjoying it, that's not sex positivity. If your sexual empowerment comes at the cost of somebody else's, that's not sex positivity. If your idea of sexual empowerment doesn't allow for boundaries or taking things slow, checking in and treating the people you're sleeping with with care and respect, say it with me, it's not sex positivity. And until we're entering into sexual situations on equal ground, we need to do our best to understand all of this, all of the ways that our culture sets certain people up to tolerate discomfort or to follow a script that's not serving them. And yeah, for some people, sex positivity will be an empowered hoe era, a grand old time full of hookups and thirst traps. But for others, it'll be a quieter, more careful thing. And it's all okay. That's the point. However you choose to do it, so long as everyone involved is enthusiastically digging it, if you're being true to yourself and turning towards your partners with empathy and compassion, you're good. Real sex positivity allows for a huge variety of sexual expression. It recognises the script we've all been served and tears it up to start again, prioritising pleasure for all involved, from the sluttiest slut to the acest babe. And now that we know all of that, now that we've got the actual theory down, of sex positivity with all its complexities and nuance, we're in a much better position to nail the landing. Coming up in the next episode of The Good Sex Project, more on nailing the landing, or landing a nailing, with top advice from the experts. Gay people are better at sex than straight people. As well as people who've figured out the puzzle of having good casual sex. For the most part, people know what a trans guy means and then we'll have a conversation about what we want to do with each other's bodies. Like, none of us know what we're doing. Sex is ridiculous. When you think about it, we're all out here getting naked, like, rubbing and bumping these, like, weird parts of each other together. Thank you for listening to The Good Sex Project, a series made with the support of New Zealand On Air. If you want to get in touch with me or with the team, please send us a message. You can do that on Instagram at goodsexproject or email goodsexproject at gmail.com. We love to hear from you and we are preparing for a second season. So get in touch if you have something you really want to hear about or if you have a story of your own to share. Special thanks to Mia Blake for being our tour guide of the Sex Positivity Palace and many, many thanks to Christian Manukua and the team at Tapu Va who introduced us to Pati. Tapu Va is a website and kaupapa that provides a safe space for people, and particularly Pacifica, though all are welcomed, to share stories and experiences around sexuality. We love your work. Ngā mihi kia koutou. Check them out at tapu-va.nz. If you're enjoying the series, tell your friends and give us some stars and some nice words on your favourite podcast platform. The Good Sex Project was written and developed by me, Melody Thomas. Our producer and audio editor is Kirsten Johnstone from Popsock Media. Phil Brownlee recorded me in the studio, and our sound mix is by Mark Chesterman. 
Beautiful soundtrack music is by Paddy Fred, with additional music by the Wellington band Womb. Find both of them on Bandcamp. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The human race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.